It's the show that makes us talk. Did you ever think about the guy who invented the door knocker? (laughs) No, why would I do that? Well, he should actually win a Nobel Prize. (laughs) What about our life? With Chris and Will. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on Earth? We're talking ghost town! Who would you see? There's nobody. I mean, there's nobody. Ah! What would you do? Hey, I'm sorry if the end of the world makes me a little nervous. Where would you go? The stars are up ahead! Well, get ready to find out, because the comet is coming into your orbit. The legal drinking age is now 10, but... You will need ID. Let's be real. It's the night of the comet. What do you give me if I come back? Texas. Night of the Comet. I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comet zombies. The night the teenagers ruled the world. Yeah! Night of the Comet. The garden of civilization is on us. Pitching, isn't it? Now, that was the trailer of Night of the Comet. Do you remember that? I mean, we just recently watched it, of yes. course. Uh-huh. But I didn't really realize how intriguing it was. For an 80s movie. Yes, yeah. It was extremely intriguing. I'm surprised. Because mm-hmm. I found we were finding ourselves to keep watching it over and over and over again. <laughs> and it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, and you got to also look at it. I mean, the concept, right? And then how the character development went into it. I just... Yeah. It's intriguing. Mm-hmm. It really is. No wonder it's a cult classic. Well, welcome to another episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Yay! This week, we are taking you on a tribute to movies of the generation and classic movie stars. Ah. Yes. So it's going to be an interesting week. We like to cover a lot of classic stuff. Yes. Vintage, if you haven't realized it. Mm-hmm. That's big part of our life we love it but if you think about it though i mean it's those things that you know keep the entertainment industry moving i mean because that's where if you go way way back that's the foundation of entertainment absolutely so if you were to go to vintage movies what comes to mind Hmm, vintage movies like really really authentic i would say well first thing that comes to mind is jaws (laughs) Funny enough, I mean, yes, you know, but I I was still scared of that movie though. Jaws, Halloween, if you're looking at some of those horror thrillers, yeah. Um, gosh, Poltergeist, yes, (laughs) I loved Poltergeist. Sometimes I couldn't watch it, but um, yes, okay, Mm -hmm. let's let's go into some more family friendly ones. What about uh, Dark Crystal? Yeah. They have a new Dark Crystal, I That's think it's on, on Netflix. Netflix. Yes. I have not seen it yet. I've and they, they are using uh, the Muppet tree in it. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. What about Beetlejuice? Yeah. Never Anderson. Ending Story. Never Ending Story. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Mm-hmm. Yep. The Last Starfighter. <sighs> now, I heard yes. they are writing a script to continue the story, so we'll have to, to see about that. Weekend mm. at Bernie's. <laughs> That one was funny. You do got to admit, though. It I mean, is. You're watching. It is. You're watching a whole movie about a dead guy. <laughs> yeah. Who apparently does all these amazing things. I mean, that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. What about Flowers in the Attic? Remember when we watched that 
years ago. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. Yes. Not a big fan of the most recent one, which was, uh, was Charlie the... and the Chocolate Factory, which was a Tim Burton one. Yeah. It was good. I liked it, but the nothing original will was better. The original, of yeah. course. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2. Mm hmm. Edward Scissorhands. Yes, I like that one. E.T. Yeah. Or yeah. how about the best, uh, the Superman with the Superman series with Christopher Reeve? Yes, of course. Or Batman, Batman Returns. Mm -hmm. Those were Tim Burton versions. Well, what about Dick Tracy? Dick Tracy, yep, yes. That was with Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty, Madonna, of course, was mm -hmm. in that one. Five Goes West. Yeah. Yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. I think that's more your. Your I love that one. one. Yeah. Love that one. Because see, when I went to go see it, there was hardly anybody in the theater, and the person behind me fell asleep. So that's what I. Well, I yeah. just don't know good movies. What about Short <laughs> Circuit? Short Circuit, yes, Johnny Number Five. Yep, Short Circuit Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the one I love growing up, Return to Oz. You're the one who showed me that movie. Yep, Return to Oz, and of course the original Wizard of Oz. Yes, yes. With Julie Garland, Judy Garland, not Julie. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> we just watched that one. Yeah. That's a very funny one. Back to the Future. Yes. And the second one, too. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, I really game. didn't get into the third one, though, because that one was more like a Western theme. Pretty much. Yeah. Dirty Dancing. Yes. Hands down. Of course. Uh, how about Footloose? Footloose. That's yep. another one. Caddyshack or Caddyshack 2. Yeah. How about... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first one and the second one. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Tu Wong Fu. Yes. Tri Julie Newmore. Uh, thanks for everything, Tu Wong Fu, or however it's called. It was a really long Bird title. Birdcage. Ah, I remember seeing that, yes. And it's kind of a funny story on that one, but I don't know if I should save it for another time. <laughs> what about the vacation movies? Yeah. Christmas Vacation movies um, with Chevy Chase. I originally saw Christmas Vacation, which I'm pretty sure the majority of the public did. But seeing the original Vacation, that was pretty funny because of what was it? Uh, gosh, I'm trying to. John Candy was in that yeah, one. John Candy was in that one. Um, Speaking of John Candy, Uncle Buck. Yes, Uncle Buck. And uh, was it The Great Outdoors? Great Outdoors. Yep. Mm -hmm. Remember, we actually been in that cabin. We have photos of it. We yeah. do because that cabin is actually at Universal Studios in Hollywood. Correct. And that is the same. That is the same cabin that they use in the television series Coach. That's right. You remember that yeah. one? Mm -hmm. Infamous '90s movie Titanic. Oh gosh, the one. Well, back when it was on VHS, it was on two VHS tapes. I know people nowadays will not know they, the struggles of having to get up and right, tapes. right there, and you're like, and it's not like they tell you to switch over to tape two or anything. No, they just, they it, just it ends, it. and you're like, oh, you have to get up and you take it out and then put the other tape in. Yeah. What about uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Yay! Yeah. Tootsie. Tootsie, yes, that yep. was that was e. funny. You've already mentioned that. One. I did. Okay. Yeah. What was that one? Um. Mac and Me. Yeah. Or Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator. That's a classic. Yeah. Or that other one that you uh, showed me, and it had Bill Murray and um, what's his name from Ghostbusters in it? Uh, is it Stripes? Stripes. Yep. That one also had John Candy in it. 
Yeah, yeah. Harold mm-hmm. uh, Remus. That was it. Yeah, was in that movie mm-hmm. as well. Legend of Billy Jean. You haven't seen that. I one, haven't seen that. But one. it's such a good movie. Pretty in Pink. Yes. Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. Absolutely. Um. Gosh, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Uh, follow that bird. Oh. Muppets I, Take Manhattan, another see, that, classic. That's that's, that's a that's a movie for us. I mean, yes. we originally had it on DVD, but we played it so many times. I mean, I yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, okay, and one more movie. It was a mid '90s movie, The Associate with Whoopi Goldberg. Absolutely, mm-hmm. we've ran that one out to the ground. Uh huh. Yep. Um, so you have to have an ultimate movie night. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, you can go get movies for free on different uh television apps and yeah. different other apps oh uh, one of them i think is well they have the roku channel yes and then they have was it tubi i think yes T-U-B-I? in fact night of the comic is actually on tubi as well as it is on amazon oh so yeah you should you should watch that because our guest today is nothing more than a talented iconic classic actress Catherine Mary Stewart. Woohoo! Catherine is so well known in her performance in Weekend at Bernie's. Yes. Night of the Comet and The Last Starfighter. Mm-hmm. She was also in Guiding Light, Days of Our Lives. She did quite a few year, years of Days of Our Lives. Yeah. Hearts Are Wild, Rising Star, um, The Night Rider, Hotel, Outer Limits. Ooh. Murder by the Book, uh, Passion in Paradise, all kinds of great classic TV yeah. shows and then movies and so many greats. So we are excited to be talking with her and gearing up for some exciting news maybe she might have. We're talking about how she worked with a dead guy. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, can you just imagine being on that set and what they had, because again, it was what in eighties or nineties. Yes, movie? it was, and just I mean, CGI really didn't. Catherine was always to me the uh, big sister that you always wanted to have. Yeah, because she had that directive uh, approach to her, and then she also had that sentimental, lovable approach to her. She's that big sister you always wanted to have. Mm-hmm. But uh, so we're gonna give Catherine a call, and we're gonna have an amazing conversation. So stick around because Catherine Mary Stewart is coming up. Alex Rogan had a dream. You really are leaving here, aren't you? To be as far away from here as possible. You get your chance. When it comes, you gotta grab it with both hands. It started with a game. You're gonna bust the record. But it wasn't just any game. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. And then, one night... Centauri's the name. We have to talk about a matter of utmost importance. Step into my office. I've seen him come and I've seen him go, but you're the best, my boy. Light years ahead of the competition. Hey. Alex didn't find his dream. Where are 
Welcome to Rylos, my boy. A world on the brink of destruction. You were recruited by the Starling to defend... To defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. Of all the life forms on all the planets, in all the galaxies... been chosen. Alex Rogan. Alex? I'm Alex. Is the last starfighter. For every Earthling who's ever imagined traveling beyond the stars. Maybe there is a starfighter left. I love you, Alex Rogan. The unforgettable story of one who made it. The Last Starfighter. We are honored to welcome our guest, who is best known for her performances in Weekend at Bernie's, Night of the Comet, and The Last Starfighter, Catherine Mary Stewart. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Hello! I'm good. How are you? Oh, we're doing great. We are. We are so honored and privileged to have you on this show. So thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm sorry I, you know, we were talking about how it's you had to be sort of be in touch with me for a while now. I've been doing so much traveling back and forth from Canada and all over the place that finally I'm in one spot for a little period of time and I'm happy to talk to you guys. Well, hey, it's no worries. We love traveling, so I completely understand. Not a problem at all. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about Catherine. I know, well, I can assume you like traveling, and we know you're an incredible actress. So tell me, how would would you describe Catherine? Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, actually, right now, specifically, I feel like I'm going through this kind of renaissance period. I mean, I'm no spring chicken anymore, but, you know, so so all these movies that I did, like, uh, there's some pretty, you know, if if they've reached some, you know, some good age. (laughs) Well, Night Night of the Comet and The Last Starfighter are 35 years old this year. Weekend at Bernie's is 30 30 years old. And I I just, over the years... um, I sort of took a break for a little while. People thought I'd retired, which I hadn't. So that was that was something to overcome. But I've been really working hard since, you know, the mid-2000s to really put my name back on the map in terms of me now as a grown-up and really working back into the industry. And this year is, is kind of become this wide-open sort of year of opportunity in a way. I mean, I've been That's working good. on some, I, it's fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm working <laughs> as an actor, but I've also, um, I'm developing a couple of projects, one for stage uh, to direct and nice. one um, for probably will end up being a TV movie um, that uh, nice. produ- my producer and I, and a young writer, a young Canadian writer, 
um, we all collaborated on and uh, wrote this really wonderful, very current um, script about a, it's a mother and daughter themed thing and all of that that entails. So that is another vehicle for me to not only act in but um, direct as well. Very so nice. all that is starting to come to fruition. Um, and I have, you know, lots of other things that I've been working on. I really, I, I found out that I really enjoy writing. So I've been doing a lot of that and, and focusing on these new projects um, along with everything else. So it's, I, I'm very inspired at the moment. I'm excited, I'm inspired, I'm encouraged. Uh, so this is really sort of a, you know, new chapter in my life. I'm having more fun than I've had in a long time. <laughs> well, that's good. So I agree. It, it feels like this year has been um, the opportunity year in a way. So I definitely agree. And it is exciting. It is absolutely exciting. And this podcast is brand new for you guys, isn't it? It is. Mm -hmm. It yes. very much is. But, you know, the, the good thing about it, we didn't, we honestly, I don't want to say we had doubts, but we kind of did. But we didn't expect it to go at this caliber and it it has gone from a small podcast to extraordinarily a huge podcast yes it's grown extremely quickly <laughs> it, it has wow, that's fantastic and well iheart that's a great uh you know found, uh, yeah foundation to start from that's for sure it is and they're such great wonderful people over there that's fantastic good for you well, thank and, you and that you love doing it is of course we grew up with your movie, so Aww. at the end of the day, we're sitting there going, you know, wow. all, those, <laughs> all, those, all those lovable questions that we had were like, okay, well, let's let's ask them. Let's start yeah. going with it. Uh, just filling that, not only curiosity, but mm -hmm. that joy and excitement of, okay, we've seen them in this, or we know them from that, and now we're just talking to them, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, and it's yeah. just... It's it's an amazing yeah, feeling. It is. Oh, that's so great. I'm glad that people are, you know, not only the audience is responding positively, but so are the people that you're interviewing. Oh yes. oh, yes. Yes, and each time we get off the conversations with them, they're like, I had a blast. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. So, that's good. Yeah, so it's just like, wow, okay. Well, so we know we fate put us in the right direction. Yeah. So um, and the thing of it is, is going down memory lane, that's the one thing a lot of our fans have said is you're bringing us back to the time period that we just loved life. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, well, glad, good. I'm glad we can um, give yeah. you that excitement back into your life again. And it's right. been encouraging because we've been interviewing authors that had some compelling stories and people can relate to those stories and it motivates them. And just the feedback that we get has just been you know, unparalleled, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it's a great variety. Yeah, it is, it is. So we are definitely honored to have you a part of it. Like I said, I Yay. mean, gosh, you know, back in, I, to me, I think 80s and early 90s was the most incredible time period of my life because everything just seemed creative and just well-rounded in a sense. We didn't, um, and we'll go into this a little bit later because I know The Last Starfighter was first with uh, CGI when CGI was first kind of coming out. And, you know, I'm like, okay, now movies are, that's really all it is. And there's not much creativity to it or story bound to it. And mm -hmm. back in the eighties, it's like, you can look back at it. In fact, um, we watched last night, 
Night of the Comet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no CGI there. No, yeah. no CGI there. And we, we looked at it and it's like, you know, wow, it was still very good. And, you know, there was some parts in it you can say, oh, okay, that's a little cheesy that they did. But the other part of it, it's like, but it's still funny. It was still, it was so good. And learning from it, the fact that what is inspiring, they did that movie on a $700,000 budget and then made... $14.4 million off of that movie. Mm-hmm. I wonder who that person is, because it wasn't me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I know. I mean, Night of the Comet, yeah, there, you know, I think it was intentionally cheesy, frankly, you know, in a way. I was just, it's so funny you mentioned Night of the Comet, because I was just talking to Tom Eberhardt um, yesterday or the day before. I haven't spoken to him in 30 years. I haven't, wow. but I, I was, you know, I'm so sort of, I was inspired to call him because I've been doing these conventions and these diehard fans come up and say, you know, Night of the Comet changed my life. And it's just, it's just lovely. It really is. um, And, and so I finally just looked him up. I found out who his agent was and I emailed the agent and said, you know, if you can pass a message along to Tom, I had no idea where he was, nothing. Uh He got back to me immediately, and we talked for two and a half hours. Nice. (laughs) It was such a wonderful reunion. And we were talking about how, you know, that it it has this sort of solid uh, following. And we figure, I mean, both of us feel that movies that are made with just love and integrity and purpose. It comes through, whether it's cheesy or it's kind of silly or whatever, but you, um, it comes through on, on the film, I think. And, and that's what people love. And also my whole theory about, you know, how overused CGI is these days, it, they've, they've sort of replaced character driven stories with CGI driven stories. And, and you can even say for The Last Starfighter, although it, there was CGI in it, and yes, it was groundbreaking CGI for its time. Um, but it's still, I think what people love about it is they can relate to the characters. It's about the characters. It's not about the CGI. Definitely. Yes. I agree. And I'm so glad that you said that about the story and the characters and going into it um, about loving what you do and that that comes across in the film. because. Yeah. Most of the 80s films and some of the early 90s films, too, really did that. I mean, it was, as Chris was saying, that creativity yeah, spark. They did. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, there was some thought behind the stories and the character development. And, and it wasn't just about, about a bunch of noise and a bunch of action and, you know, superheroes. It, it, you know, you, this, is, this is me, but... You see one superhero, you've seen them all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Not. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree because mm-hmm. we've said that for the longest time. That uh, especially about the whole Spider-Man craze. It's like you know how many Spider-Mans are we going to go through before we're done? And right. you know, it, it almost goes to like Batman and Superman. I'm always going to be a Christopher Reeve Superman fan. <laughs> you know. know. It, you, you're never going to compete against that. And the same thing with uh, with Batman, you know, um, I'm always going to be that generate what. Um, oh, gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, 
I see his face. And, yeah, I see his oh, face. But yeah. uh, Michael Keaton. Michael yes, Keaton. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. I'm always going to be a Batman fan with Michael Keaton. And Jack Nicholson. Exactly. Right? Yeah. As the Joker. Yeah. Yes. When you look at the Jokers since then, I mean, he really set a standard, man, oh, man. I mean, he set a precedent that I don't know. Yeah, they get, they're getting creepier and creepier, I guess, but and bloodier and bloodier. But he was he was so great, I thought, in that movie. Oh, he was. And he made a bundle of money off of it, too, right? Oh, I'm sure he did. I'm sure well, he, he, got, he took a, a back-end um, uh, percentage. And yeah, nobody thought it was going to be a, this massive movie that it was. And he just, apparently, I mean, that, what do I know? Right, but right, that's right. what I heard. And he just made a bundle of money. Wow. Well, he did. You know, I don't want to say if it, I don't want to say it was worth it, but I'm guessing it was worth it because his performance was just incredible. Yeah. I mean, it really was incredible. But, you know, going into those type of performances, every movie that you've done, and I've noticed, you have your acting style is so natural yes so real <laughs> well, thank you it really is because it's like you want to say you're like the big sister that everybody wanted to have you know <laughs> yeah and because it, it was so realistic and the styles of that was just like wow because so no matter which movie you did and whether it was Weekend at Bernie's, Starfighter, or Night, or any of the others, it was like the style was just, all right, I'm just, like, we're having this conversation yeah. now. It was just natural. So you you definitely have a niche for making natural performance. So I will credit thank you that. You. Well, You're thank very, you very much. Yeah, it's funny. I, that's another thing I was talking to Tom about was, you know, um, just the different performances in Night of the Comet. And... Uh, basically, mine was, uh, and, and the, you know, techniques and whatnot that everybody has. And Kelly and I, I mean, she and I didn't really discuss it much, but he mentioned that she was, she definitely had a different kind of technique to approach her character. Yes. And I was like, yeah, mine is sort of what you see is what you get. <laughs> and he's right. like, there you go. I love that. I mean, of course, I, I work, I, you know, I, I work on the character ahead of time. I'm not just going in there winging it, but, um, but yeah, as he said, it's more for me. It was more like the sort of the British style of acting, where you you are a character, you put the suit on, and then when you're not the character, you take the suit off. Right. <laughs> right. So and um and and it's true. And uh, but it, of course I do some background work for myself, and I sort of uh-huh. establish. Uh, kind of what my um, history might be, where I where I came from leading up to this this time period where we see the character. I, I mean, I do a lot of that kind of work, uh-huh. but uh, I, yeah, I, I do like the idea of, you know, well, after all, we are just acting here. And yes, you look at a character and you decide how you're going to play it and everything, but Anyway, <laughs> but, that, but you know what? That could be the style of how um, the '80s performances were, because this leads into this question. Another curiosity question, and I don't know if you would agree with it or not. But in the '80s, specifically for women roles, there was a certain type of look that they were all looking for, and a certain type of personality that just matched you guys in every little asset that they could find you in. Like, for example, you know. 
you guys, you could almost be relatable to Elizabeth Shue in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. Elizabeth Shue did a lot of performances, but you guys shared the same, almost the similar look in the same way. And then you kind of go into um, like when uh, Molly Ringwald, that was the look for the many of films that Molly did. Mm-hmm. So, and it had those strict personalities with it. So I think that your style of acting could be how it was supposed to be in the 80s. Now, do mm-hmm. you agree with that was what they were looking for? Now, I know Hollywood looks for a look, but do you think that that was the, the style for women in the 80s? Well, I think that every era has a slightly different style. You know, um, maybe every decade or something, it shifts shifts slightly. Certainly back, back in the 80s, there was a, a look, you know, with right. the hair and the clothes and all yes. that sort of stuff. Um, it's funny you should say Elizabeth Shoots. Well, actually, I think that a lot of female, young female characters were very strong characters. I mean, Elizabeth Shue always plays, she never plays sort of the the sort of soft-spoken kind of girlfriend. Right. She's, she always plays quite a strong character. It's, um, I, I feel like it may have been an, an era, the 80s, where sort of the strong, independent, young women were sort of attractive. I mean, certainly in Night of the Comet, that was the case. You know, it was sort of fun being a valley girl, yet I could totally look after myself. Right. Um, as could my sister, you know. Yeah, right. the world has ended, but no problem. We're going to go shopping. <laughs> we'll just go shopping. You know, so there's that, there's that sort of tongue-in-cheek um, aspect to it where – girls will be girls kind of a thing. And maybe that's a little sexist, but right. it sure was, it sure was fun. Uh, yeah, the eighties in general was such a fun time. I think if you can remind everybody of that time, it, it's a good thing because it, there was so, it was so much looser kind of, and I think creative what? is a good word. And people were having fun. They weren't like, I don't know, now it's it, it. I feel like the industry is sort of run by business people. They're not interested in create, They're not interested in creativity necessarily. Yeah, they're interested absolutely. in making millions upon millions of dollars. Yes. And if that means making twelve Batmans, then they're going to do it. They're not concerned with you know um, educating the public into the arts of acting <laughs> or the integrity of the original concept. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and they're using old ideas as well. And, and that's that's always sort of a big fear that we have is somebody's going to try to do a remake of The Last Starfighter or something like that. And it just oh, wow. would it wouldn't be the same thing. It just no, wouldn't. No. It, you can't. And I don't I, I can't think of a remake off the top of my head that has been successful. You know, exactly. It's, exactly. It's, it's uh I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So especially with the kind of movie that something like The Last Starfighter Night of the Comet was, even Weekend at Bernie's. I mean, that to me was one of the first kind of. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, you know, could you just imagine in today's world, them doing a movie of Weekend at Bernie's and how it would be perceived that, you know, these two guys are carrying around, walking around with a dead guy. (laughs) Yeah, dead body, I know. And, and it just makes everybody, you know, when I first read that script, I was like, that's how I felt. I was like, 
this is gross to me. And then, you know, the scene where he falls off the back of the boat and is bulking yes. into the buoys and stuff. I was always like, how's that funny? And, of course, it's hilarious. It but is hilarious. But, you know, what was even what was even funnier about it is you your character complimented them, too. In so many different ways, because I don't want to say your character in that movie was almost oblivious to everything, but the fact of the matter that you you were just you complimented both of them, and um, especially uh, the the guy who played uh, Richard. You and yeah. Richard had that so called bond that you don't really know if that bond was ever going to happen, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was, he tried so hard and that <laughs> it, it was just, it was funny because I, I can recall the, the lighthouse scene. Yeah. I yeah. definitely remember that one. And then I can recall the, the scene when you actually, um, went in the house and, um, the guy came in and actually shot, uh, Bernie's character, even though he was already dead <laughs> and, you were already freaking out because you thought they killed Bernie. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I was sort of the, the straight person, um, you know, for their sort of comical stuff, uh, which was really fun to play, too, because I, how would I know what's going on? I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of a normal human being going through the day. Oh, there's Richard. Oh, yeah, 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 I do kind of like it. That's great. Why would I suspect that they're doing anything weird or that there's right. anything weird to be done? Exactly. This is like where I go regularly for my summer vacation. Right. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. It was it was a fun shoot, that. I enjoyed that. Now, while you were on the set of Weekend at Bernie's, and you were working alongside Terry, who was the character of Bernie, mm -hmm. did he actually play dead for all of the scenes, or did they use a dummy in some of the <laughs> scenes? Well, Just curious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As you can imagine, they they had to kind of use a dummy for a lot of the, for instance, the one where he's banging into the buoys. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, you know, a lot of it, he did have to play just, it was him playing dad. Uh, before the Bernie flies out of the back of the boat, for instance, he's, he, it's, that's actually Terry Kaiser. Um, and he got quite injured. He because the boat was bouncing, and he was supposed to just sit there and not move. He, uh -huh. he went wrenched his back pretty badly. Oh wow! Um, yeah. And then there's the scene where uh, the the guys first discover him at the house. Um, uh, he's it's it's really Terry Kaiser sitting there as they kind of realize that he's dead. Uh, and that scene went on for quite a while. And um, uh, Ted Kotcheff, the director, he kind of let the, he didn't, yeah, he didn't say cut after the scene was finished. This, because he, he thought it would be pretty funny to see how long Terry could hold his breath. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit funny. It was funny at his expense, for sure. Wow. It just always made me laugh because watching him there and just how loosely he played, uh, you know, just being there or lying there. Uh, and I don't, that was the comical thing for me that made me laugh out of the movie. It's interesting how you know, you can draw a great performance out of somebody pretending to be dead. Or they can create a great performance, I should say. I yeah, mean, he literally 
created this expression on his face, you know, that he had. Yes. And, um, and it was, it was brilliant. I mean, he, he really created a brilliant character and the character was dead. It was, so it's, it, it takes a talented person to do that. And with a real understanding of, you know, communicating with an audience. Oh, he did a wonderful job with that. I couldn't do that. I, I, <laughs> I got trained the greatest to do that. I You'd couldn't. probably be laughing the I whole time. I would be laughing the whole time. I know, I, I know. <laughs> I'm sure there was some laughing going on as well, though. <laughs> I'm sure there was. What would you say your favorite moment about uh, that movie would be? Oh, we can have Bernie's. Let's see. Probably, actually, I loved the um, lighthouse scene. That was really fun for me. And then uh, when we walked down the beach and the tide's coming in, we're, we're kind of laughing away. Right. And we fall on the beach and start making out. And in the background, Bernie shows up. Uh. <laughs> remember he's washed up on the beach? Yeah. Yep, I remember that. that. That was so funny. I just, I love doing that scene. I thought that that was so hilarious. And I thought it came across so funny in the movie itself. And then he's like trying to figure out, he sees Bernie and he's trying to figure out how to keep me from seeing Bernie and then pulling me out of the sea and dragging me down the beach. <laughs> it was funny. I, you know, the, the one question I have with Gwen is, there were so many red flags, so many red flags uh, <laughs> <laughs> that you chose to ignore. <laughs> That's funny. I think maybe she was trying too hard to um, win over or uh, th make Richard think he was winning her over, yeah. um, that it became a task. Because I also remember the scene, the funniest scene I, I, I loved with you and uh, Richard's character was when you were so-called in his apartment and his father showed up in his underwear and he was trying to play it off as his butler yeah that that was pretty fun too i have to say that was i mean honestly it was it was just fun being in that kind of a comedy that was something that was a little bit different uh for me i hadn't done comedy before and that so it was really really fun. i mean that that scene was terrific as well it's it so it's so ridiculous <laughs> That it's funny. It's, I mean, it's so crazy that it's funny. It is. It is. And it's that whole movie just, it just had something to it. And they, they did such a great job in, in writing it, producing it. Everything was just, wow. It was so, it was so comical. That's, I guess that's why it's considered a cult classic. Cause it's mm -hmm. just one of those films that you, you tell generations today that say, you need to go watch this. You'll enjoy it. And when they enjoy it, they're like, I didn't really think I would enjoy that. Yeah, you you enjoyed watching a dead guy pretend to be alive. Mm -hmm. You you know it was it was actually it was funny. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It was so, one of those first kind of I call them sophomore comedies. You know, I mean. Oh yeah. Uh, there's been lots and lots since then, but it was sort of one of the first. So it was unique, and I think I, I, that's another quality I think that gives uh, movies longevity is is uniqueness it was yes. different for the time it didn't have a formula necessarily you know that we'd seen before and that really uh, draws an audience to it and it's been referenced so many times in so many shows it's just crazy people will call me up and say 
Weekend Birdies was referenced yet again on some sitcom or something like that. Like it was referenced in Friends, for instance. Oh, yes, yeah. it was. As Joey's favorite movie ever, somebody's favorite movie. Uh-huh. Like, mm-hmm. I forget who, but anyway. Wow. So what <laughs> would you say? Um, all right, well, before I go into that question, now, The Last Starfighter and Night of the Comet both released in the same year. Mm-hmm. Which one did you film first? I shot um, The Last Starfighter first. Now, did you see, um, I know you saw a difference between the productions, but mm-hmm. what was what was your feeling between the two? I mean, you did this incredible Last Starfighter show. Now you're going to this low-budget Night of the Comet. What was your thoughts on that? Um, well, it was 35 years ago, so I'm just going to have to wing it here. <laughs> <You're fine. laughs> because I have, I have, I mean, um, you know, The Last Starfighter was the first movie that I'd done in LA. And so, and I was up against all the hot young actors of the, the day. And I was so grateful that, that, uh, the producers sort of took a chance on Lance and me because we weren't kind of hot young things, you know, doing all sorts of stuff in LA at the time. And I think that's what they wanted. They wanted some young, fresh faces. And um, so when I when I got that movie, I was sort of surprised, but I because of the competition. But um, um, but but it was such a joyful experience. I mean, it was a very humble, like the set was kind of humble, you know, it, it was a fairly decent budget, but everybody, it was really truly a labor of love for everybody. I mean, the script was written like the, um, Robert Preston's role was written for Robert Preston, you know, and, right. and, and it just had a wonderful, feeling on the set all the time very very supportive everybody was very enthusiastic and excited and it was a young group of people doing it um so i just the general feeling from the last starfighter was just a feeling of joy shooting that movie i could imagine and lance and i are still good friends and, and nick castle the director and I are good friends, as are and friends with Craig Safan, who's the the um, composer. Um, oh. Yeah, he's a, such an incredibly talented man. So we we all sort of had that same feeling, and we you know many of us stayed in touch. Um, with Night of the Comet, one of the things that I was really drawn to was the character itself. I loved the fact that first of all, Reggie was um, more of a a tomboy, I guess you would call it. And she was uh, less of the sort of girl next door, which Mags really kind of was in right. Last Starfighter. Um, and I was drawn to that. And it was such a quirky, weird, different, unique script. You know, it was so different. Right. It And even the producers weren't really sure what to do with it. They thought it was a zombie movie, a horror zombie movie. Uh-huh. And, and Tom Everhart, the um, director, was saying that, uh, you know, the whole scene that we do in the, the mall where we're dancing around because we're going to go shopping. Yes. And then these zombie guys start shooting at us. And um, apparently the, the producers came up to Tom and said, 
what are you doing? These girls should be scared to death. They look like they're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> and and Tom is like, uh, you're missing the point. <laughs> because they knew what they were doing. They weren't scared. They're were like, oh, geez, here we go. Okay, zombies. No problem. <laughs> you know, <laughs> until, of course, they get caught. And then that was that was sort of a creepy scene where they're tied up and stuff like that. I thought I love that scene. I mean, just visually, it was such a great scene. But um, uh, so they were just completely different projects. Budget wasn't, uh, uh, that wasn't something I took into consideration at that time. Uh And uh, it was just, yeah, I was drawn to the character and the weirdo script. It was fun. And I'm I'm glad I I was. Well, it's such a cult classic. I mean, well, all the movies that you've done have been cult classic. Did you ever imagine any of them would you would have the reaction that you're having today from doing those? Well, no. <laughs> no, it's it was. I started doing conventions around 2008, I think, um, which I had never. I really knew nothing about. Um, we did the 25th anniversary screening of the Last Starfighter, and this guy approached me afterwards and said, "I'd like to represent you for conventions." And I was like. Oh, that's so weird and creepy to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I went to my, f- I, I finally thought, okay, I'll try it and see what happens. And so when I, and I think Lance Guest was doing it at the same time. So that made me a little more comfortable as well. Um, I just had no idea what to expect. So you can imagine when these people came up and were like, oh my gosh, it changed my life. I had a, crushing you this love i've introduced my children to this movie all these things they go you're just like holy moly what happened yeah (laughs) are are you talking about this movie i did in 1983 (laughs) you know so um yeah and and i so appreciate it i mean it's incredible it's it's just lovely and i can imagine i so appreciate the the people that come to see me and you know, to say all these positive things about the movie and um, how they've passed it on, you know, to the next generation. Um, it's what, lovely. I mean, hey, gosh, I'm just very grateful that I was involved with them, that I happened to be involved with them. Well, you know, what makes it even better is now that technology has changed so drastically to where mm-hmm. you have it, you, it's easier for you to get these classic films and watch them now than it mm-hmm. was almost what five six years ago um and because in fact again we didn't realize that night of the comet was one was on one of the apps that we have on the tv on our roku tv and i'm like oh okay there it is let's watch it you know (laughs) so it's it's incredible that we are now giving the advantage to relive those moments that we did back then because television today really don't play the classic movies like they used to Mm -hmm. right yeah regular tv doesn't know no they don't and sometimes in occasion you can get a movie theater that'll put it back in the movie theater for you to see it for maybe a night or two but you have to catch it but they don't do all the the great classics um, right like they should so right There are some, like I just did a screening of, um, I just went to a screening of The Last Starfighter in the Poconos in um, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, And I've done it. This is my fourth year, actually. It's this little tiny cinema in um, Shroudsburg, 
Pennsylvania. They they have this this night where we he well the only the only two movies that they've been able to screen there get permission to screen are Night of the Comet and Last Starfighter. So over the four year period, it's been Night of the Comet, Starfighter, Night of the Comet, Starfighter. <laughs> but it draws an audience, and there's a group of people that sort of like minded people that always come to this one. They do. There's a I'm not exactly even sure where it is. I think it's in uh -huh. New Jersey, but it's a a drive-in theater and they oh. do these big events where they'll do like a you know a night that will of uh, screening four movies or something like that and you can literally camp if you want to or you can park the wow. car wow. until like three in the morning in fact the guy who drove me from new york to pennsylvania he drives me every year he was like yeah, I got home kind of late last night. <laughs> <laughs> Where he was seeing some obscure '80s movie, um, several of them, I should say, uh, and they'll bring you know actors out to attend them and do Q and As and things, which is what I do. I do a meet and greet, and then I do a Q and A afterwards. So yeah, they're they're screening these things around. I'm doing another one in. Um, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona in November. Wow. Where it'll be a two-night thing, and one night they'll screen The Last Starfighter, and the second night they'll screen uh, Night of the Comet. So, um, yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun. Yeah, it's, it's really quite amazing. At the Alamo Draft House, are you familiar with those places? I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever been, but yeah. I've heard of there's it. There's a but bunch of them around. Um, I know there's one or two here in New York, but yeah, they're they're like movie theaters where they have a full menu. You can sit there and eat. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I know what you're talking yeah. about because isn't there one in L.A.? I want to say I there think, is one. I think probably. Yeah. Yes. I think it's all over. I I remember passing one. I don't think we've ever been in it, but um, yes, and you know. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't uh, do a screening of Night of the Comet uh, out in L.A. because they do screenings in a cemetery for horror movies or sci-fi flicks out in L.A. Yeah. And that would be so incredible because I know last year they did, um, it was kind of odd, but they did a screening of Hocus Pocus in Halloween mm -hmm. um, out in the cemetery. Now, I don't have a problem going to watch horror movies. I just don't know if I could watch a horror movie at a cemetery. I know that's that's like that's like too much. It's like it is kill. too much. <laughs> it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it was one. There was one place in uh, Texas, I think it was, or someplace. They did a screening of Jaws on a lake, to where you had to actually go in the lake to watch it. <laughs> with rafts and everything i'm like i couldn't do that i'm just sorry i just couldn't you know but because oh, of all those lake sharks <laughs> well you, you knew that there would be no sharks but just the fact that you're on a body of water and you're like you know okay something's gonna come bite me and yeah yeah you know. or if they're doing the screening and they plan something to where it's i don't know like they set it up to like some mechanical thing to sort of scare you but it's not really yeah. supposed to you I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm just using my imagination well, on that one. But. You know, kind of speaking of that a little bit, Lance actually, I didn't realize this until uh, yesterday and when I was looking through some of the credits and stuff like that and I just happened to glance at his credits. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, he was in Halloween too. He was in Jaws and yeah. it's like, wow, okay, I didn't, I didn't know. I yeah, mean, he's I, done a bunch of sequel stuff, yeah. 
Oh, he, and I'm just like, wow, all right. Because Halloween 2 was my most favorite Halloween version that they ever did. Why is it? Oh, there you go. I had a question about Last Starfighter. Okay. And Chris was talking earlier about how you naturally played your, or not Last Starfighter, um, Night of the Comet, mm-hmm. um, to where you had such a natural uh, acting in that. And in the beginning of the movie, you were playing the Atari arcade game Tempest. Right. Um I'm a vivid video game person. I have all the retro systems, and I even have an Atari myself, and I played in the arcade as a child. You did that so accurately. It didn't (laughs) look like you were acting. Like, it really looked like you were playing the game. So, one, were you actually playing it on set? And two, would you play um, video games offset if that was an interest to you uh well first of all i hate to burst your bubble but there was nothing on that screen (laughs) (laughs) maybe some flashing lights i'm not sure there must have been flashing lights but no i you know it was like they were giving me direction and stuff what to do i I, you might have noticed i I always joke that in the last i mean in night of the comet the DP had a foot fetish because he was always shooting my feet. <laughs> there was a little dancing foot scene in there when I was playing the game. Um, um, but no, I wasn't playing it. I've never been a big uh, video game person. I I get too I get too crazed. I get I can't stay calm. I, I just start. I get too tense and and oh, freak out a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's, <laughs> I, I, I can do like Pong or something like that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> or, I'm the same way. I get to, uh, my anxiety kicks in if yes. I'm losing and I'm like, okay, we would be going through like a gazillion TVs cause the control would have just gone flown right through the TV. I know me too. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not yeah, great at that stuff, unfortunately, but it was, it was really fun to pretend you know and um uh yeah and, and i was given some direction on what to do or, or you know i think they must bit. have given you a really great direction because <laughs> i i it sounds a little bit critiquish but in other movies or shows where they show people trying to play video games and they're just uh fidgeting with a with a controller or just act like they're in front of an arcade machine. And I can immediately tell, no, they're not playing it. Right. But I will say you fooled me because oh, it looked good. like you really were playing in that game. So kudos oh. to you. Well, thank you. It might've had something to do with the fact that, you know, I'd just done the last Starfighter and I'd watched Lance pretend to play. <laughs> so that might've even helped me, you know, just having that little sense of memory thing. Um, but yeah, and uh, you know, at that time there was so much of that stuff going on anyway. So if you're if you can if you're observant at all, and you know, take you take all that stuff in, then you can make, you can translate right. it to the screen hopefully. So how would you continue the story of the last Starfighter? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the golden question. Um, well, how would I do it? I would yes. probably somehow have, you know, Mags and Alex married and, or, well, partners at any rate, and probably have a kid or two. And um, I don't know, I sort of, 
I, I can see them spending a bunch of time in outer space, but the story might pick up again when they're they've they've solved the outer space issue as far as they're concerned, and they're back on Earth just trying to lead a normal life, raising their kids, and um, I see their child discover a pot or something in the garage. It's <laughs> so like. 12 years old or something, and he's like snooping around as 12 year olds will do, and or she, and uh, finds his thing, and, and all of a sudden the parents have to explain what that's all about. Um, and, and somehow I could see, wouldn't this be funny if this actually happened? <laughs> I, I can see, you know, oh, the war of the universe wasn't really finished, and it's, it's kind of, you got it, you're called back to fight again, or the offspring as the son or daughter. I can see it being something about the last, last starfighter. Uh -huh. <laughs> and maybe being the and maybe being the daughter. Oh. oh. Very uh, nice. Oh, I'm just gonna grow in there for Pete's sake. Yeah, very nice. Very, very nice. <laughs> well, yeah. I like that. How would you explain working with um, Robert Preston? Well, in fact, Robert Preston and I really didn't work together at all. We had no scenes together. Oh, that's right. So we weren't even on the set at the same time. But I finally, thank goodness, got to meet him. We were doing some, a little bit of extra shooting at the studio. And uh -huh. as I was coming to work, he was finished. He was leaving. And I, I was introduced to him and I was just like, Oh my God! Because he's a, he's just the most charming man, just uh -huh. a lovely. He re literally has this aura or had this aura around him. You just you melt. And he took my hand and he kissed it and he said, "It's a pleasure to meet you, my dear." And I was like, "I'm never washing this hand again." <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, he was he he was a, a lovely person. Uh, Lance often tells a story about uh, how you know being the kind of uh, very serious, anxious young actor, just really wanting to do a very good job. And here's, you know, Robert Preston in his mid to late seventies, I would say, um, just doing him. He's right. You know, he, he had a little bit of experience under his belt. And, and Lance would say, can we just rehearse this? Can we just rehearse it? And he was always <laughs> super gracious with Lance to just do whatever Lance needed to do to get to where he needed to be. That's, I mean, if you interview Lance, he'll tell you some great stories, I'm sure, about uh, about Robert Preston. But my message is that he was just a lovely, generous, generous man. Wow. Very good to hear. Very good to hear. Mm -hmm. What would you think the hardest thing you've done in your career? The hard hardest project? Project um, yeah. or role, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um... <sighs> <laughs> I'm well, catching you here. <laughs> yeah. No, I, one that was really challenging was a thing called Passion and Paradise. It was a miniseries that I yes. shot. I literally went from Weekend at Bernie's to Jamaica to shoot this thing. The night I finished on uh, Weekend at Bernie's, I flew to Jamaica. Oh, wow. um, it was with Armand Asante and a cast of thousands, actually. Oh. Um, we're just an, but it was it was a, a biography. It was a true story. I mean, dramatized a bit, but about uh, this young. It, it, take, it takes place in the Second World War, so it's a period piece, 
And I was supposedly playing this person that had truly lived at the time and telling her story. And it was just a challenge. You know, I would say it's not that I had a bad experience. It was just a very challenging experience. There was a, a lot. I There was a lot in that character that I had to um portray and um and I love that I love that I was challenged I was a little bit tired also after shooting weekend at Bernie's so uh-huh. going into this and having to start right away and they dyed my hair red oh, wow. uh, I, I I and I just had to take on this whole new period uh persona um so it it and I didn't really have that much time to prepare, so it, it, it was it was challenging. But um, I I actually I think it turned out really really well, quite frankly. Wow! So you were also on um, the soap opera Days of Our Lives. Tell me about that. Yeah, I was on that for a couple of years. Uh, I think it was eighty one, eighty two. I was uh, this character that I played became a very iconic character in the in the show. Um, so I was the original Kayla Brady. I could always say that. And people are oh, like, nice. oh, I don't remember you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, was, I was only there for a couple of years. But I, oh, darn it, I established that character. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, while I was on Days of Our Lives, I uh, was shooting um, The Last Starfighter at the same time. So that was interesting, but overlapping those two. I talk about being tired. Uh-huh. Um uh, yeah, it, that was kind of like uh, a crash course in uh, on-camera acting for me. I have to say, it, it's it's the hard. I say, Passion in Paradise was challenging. I'd say the hardest thing I've ever done is the soap opera, I can because imagine. we were shooting an hour show in one day, five days a week, um, and that's a lot. If you consider, you know, a movie that's an hour and a half long may take six or eight weeks to shoot. So you can imagine shooting a soap opera, you know, 100 100, let's see, well, probably between 60 and 100 pages a day. Wow. It's, It's a lot. And not that, you know... Obviously, there's several storylines going on, so you're not in every single scene. But if uh-huh. you've got a heavy storyline going on, you you might have to have 50 pages memorized, and wow. you really have to have them memorized. People say, "How do you memorize a whole script?" Well, you know, you might shoot 10 pages a day, and that's a lot actually to shoot in one yeah. day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and you're not going to be in all the 10 pages. You literally shoot 10 pages of a script a day. Um, so yeah, you might have some three or four page scenes, but if you have a heavy scene, a heavy storyline in, um, a soap opera, it can be 50 pages. And so, wow, that was hard. That was hard. Wow. Well, I'll, I'll take the note for myself. Uh, Try not to go after soap operas unless you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's great exposure. What the heck? And it I still is. feel like people that have been on the soap for years and years and years and years, they kind of almost, they know their characters so well that 
they, they almost know the lines before they even say them. You know what I mean? Right. You really get into a rhythm, I think, in a soap opera, um, which is, it's great if that's what you can do. I love being on sets anyway, so if I have some, yes. although it's not, I mean, there's so much time spent setting up with the lighting, as you know, and, and right. all that stuff. Um, that's why it takes so long because every little scene has a whole new setup. And if they have to move locations, that's a whole other uh -huh. issue. Yes, exactly. And um, camera angles. When they switch uh -huh. camera angles, it's like, okay, now they have to move the lighting over some more. So right. it could take them almost a full hour just to get the left side of my face compared uh -huh. to the right side of my exactly. face. And, yeah. Or if they want to do a retake and so they have to go through all the process again. Or if yeah. somebody messes up their lines and you like me, because I would always mess up my lines. <laughs> and especially it's really hard to work with comedians. It's very hard to work with comedians because they're always they're always got that energy of wanting to make you laugh. And right, right. You literally have to, because I worked with Adam Sandler, mm -hmm. and he he's a jokester in so many different ways. And it's like mm -hmm. you want to turn around and sit there and say, Adam, you've got to freaking stop! I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> and they're also they're also very spontaneous, and they they, they are don't necessarily stick to the script. And then that's a whole other challenge: is to okay, they didn't say what I'm supposed to respond to, so how do I respond to that? You yes. know, it's not it's yeah, it's hard. It is. Yeah. It's crazy, but it's a lot of fun. It's mm -hmm. it's really a lot of fun. So, what would you say the most inspiring moment you've had in your career? Ooh, inspiring moment. Yes. Oh man. Um well years and years ago I did a mini series called Hollywood Wives. Yes. Um, I was gonna talk about that. You were? Okay. So go so, ahead. Yes. Yeah, so there were some incredible actors in that in that um uh it was a mini series as well, back in the day when they they did miniseries. Um, I remember I was very young and green, and and these were some pretty, uh, you know, actors that had been around for a long, long time. Um, so they knew what, exactly what they were doing, and they would give me advice every once in a while. I mean, I remember Angie Dickinson, who I I uh -huh. believe is still with us. I think um, so. Yeah. A classic actor, she kind of took me under her wing because I would, everybody else was sort of buddy buddy. And like, I remember Candace Bergen and Joanna Cassidy uh -huh. were just, yeah. like, just, you know, thick as thieves. And they were, had these inside jokes. And, and all the other actors, they, I was kind of like at, on the outside looking in. And Angie Dickinson, she was so sweet to me and kind to me and made me feel welcome and a part of the group. Uh, I remember that was was um, really inspiring. And I remember uh, Stephanie Powers. This was this cast. It was a cast of thousands. Um, yes, I saw was, that. Yeah, she was uh, she she would give me little pointers of my acting. Like when you talk, uh -huh. look in my eyes, look in my eyes, things like this. <laughs> she was the one who used to carry around a purse so that she wouldn't have to strap a microphone to her body. The microphone was in the purse. Oh, wow. I, I thought that was an interesting trick. I don't know if 
you could you you'd be allowed to do that these days, but that's what she did. She but she could do whatever she wanted. Right. Um, so that was, I mean, as a kind of a newbie in Hollywood, um, that that was a, a a pretty inspiring. Just just being around those those people, you know. Oh, I could imagine. I yeah. Could imagine. Now, do you keep any of the memorabilia from any of your past work? Oh, I haven't really. I haven't. I'm trying to. I don't. No, I did for a while, but then you start moving and yeah, in LA, and then I moved to New York, and I. So, um, not really. Well, I've you been, know. You know what well, we do. We always like to keep some of the stuff. But the one thing when I asked that, because uh, we knew uh, Rue McClanahan before she passed, nice. and Rue actually kept every single outfit that she had as Blanche Devereaux from the oh, Golden Girls. Oh my god! She did. Mm-hmm. And so when she passed, the family had auctioned all of that off, and um, I remember. Betty was Betty White had went to the house and I I remember watching a uh, some sort of an interview about it and she was shocked at all the different Blanche outfits that still existed that uh, that she had kept so I'm like oh and but they were dear to her she never wore them uh, she yeah, never wore them again but they were wow. so dear to her yeah. but um, but you yeah that was have, one you have to have lots of room for that you do yes. you do and you have to have you have to have no expectation of ever wanting to move. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, because that's how our thing is, is we, we move a lot, but we have so much memorabilia from the things that we've did from all yes. the, the back in the day Disney stuff that we've been honored with and everything. And we always our friends hate helping us move because <laughs> they're like, y'all have so much crap. And I'm like, it's not crap. It's golden stuff. Yes, it's, it's stuff not. that's worth something. And then. But then when you place it on the walls and you place it everywhere, they're like, oh, my gosh, your house is like a museum. And I'm like, exactly. That's why we like it. It's like you got to give them the tour down the museum or something like that. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Well, you know, for us, a lot of the reasons why we do that is because it every time we look at it, it reminds us that no matter what we're going through in today's world, that we were act, we were successful in our life. So, right. you oh, know, yeah. So if today was our last moment, then we can at least breathe and say we had a great life. Yeah. You know? And we have something to show for it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But okay. if you had to bring something back from the 80s to bring to today, what would it be? <laughs> youth <laughs> no exactly. yes. I, yes. I, you know what I, I, honestly I, I feel at least as happy and energetic as I did back then it was a, it was it really was kind of a magical time though I mean it I loved the hair I loved that big hair I love you you know perm the crap out of me baby uh, <laughs> and yes. You know, I loved, you talk about imagination. I mean, the, the outfits that we used to wear were so crazy and colorful. And the shoulders and the big, wide waistbands and the poofy pants. And I loved all that stuff so much because, you know, I, I started out as a dancer and, and I have a kind of a dancer's body. So basically, I have a little boy's body. <laughs> So when I got to like accentuate the shoulders, it made myself look like I had some sort of a, a shape to my body. 
I loved it. I had so much fun in the 80s. It was just, a, like I use this word, I'm joyful, but it, it really was a fun time. Um, you know, so much was going on. I was working a lot and I was just enjoying every moment of it. So um, it's something I, I just remember fondly and uh, yeah, I, I don't know, bringing something back. I'm sure it will come back eventually. <laughs> yes, it will. It, it will. It'll all come back. Um, I don't think I'd want to have a big permed hairdo anymore. I'm gonna <laughs> have but I, I'm just, I'm happy with the memories. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? In theory, you actually have brought something back because you brought your personality into today's world. So, so true. Yeah. So, <laughs> so to me, that's, that's worth more than anything that anybody could try and sell and get me to buy mm -hmm. um you know yeah. so thank you so much for joining us it, this has been a real treat i mean it's been exciting and we appreciate it i'm so glad we did this yes me too we'll definitely stay in touch and okay uh, i'd love to yes, yes and um well thank you again for joining us and we do appreciate it and otherwise um you know we wish you a great New York day. Yes. It's Thank been such you. a joy to have you here on our podcast. Well, it's been really super fun being with you guys. And best of luck. It sounds like it's thriving, this podcast of yours. So you go, boys. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, Catherine, much love to you, honey. And uh, we'll be in touch. Okay, great. Dude, that was fun. Wow, what a trip. <laughs> she's got a great personality. See, I told yes. you, she's everybody's big sister that you wish you had. Mm -hmm. She is. It was so much fun. Wow. And you know, again, we're going to go back and watch Night of the Comet again. Yeah. Uh, Last Starfighter, Weekend of, of Bernie's, of course. Everything is so magical with that. It was just wonderful. Yep, it's out of this world. It was, it was. <laughs> so we want to thank Catherine Mary Stewart for joining us today. Such a blast. Mm -hmm. She had fun. We had fun. I know you had fun. And, uh, you know, geez, this just keeps getting better and better and better. But next week we have a, a whole new episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Mm -hmm. Another week. Another episode. Another topic. Another topic and another guest. Yes. That's right. So we're absolutely excited to be continuing to doing this. And thank you for joining us so much. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate all the fans. We love you guys. Remember to love yourself. And the world's going to love you just the same. But for now, you guys, we have to wrap it up. It's been fun. Thank you, Catherine, Mary Stewart. Thank you, guys. Thank everyone. But for now, we got to go. Bye. Bye.